You're listening to the Psych Central Podcast, where guest experts in the field of psychology and mental health share thought-provoking information using plain, everyday language. Here's your host, Gabe Howard. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Psych Central Podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Howard, and calling into the show today, we have Dr. Kenneth P. Pages, the president of TMS of South Tampa, and Dr. Todd Hutton, the medical director at Southern California TMS Center. Dr. Hutton, Dr. Pages, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Pages, Dr. Hutton, TMS seems to be everywhere. I can't Google mental illness treatment without a reference to it coming up on page one. Now, I'm not sure why it's suddenly so popular or a topic of conversation. I am sure, however, that there's a lot of misconceptions about exactly what TMS is, what it treats, and lastly, what TMS even stands for. Dr. Hutton, I'm going to throw this one to you. Can you tell our listeners exactly what TMS stands for? And then what is it designed to treat? TMS stands for transcranial, meaning across the cranium or your skull, magnetic stimulation, transcranial magnetic stimulation. It is an FDA-approved treatment for depression, as well as obsessive compulsive disorder, and most recently, smoking cessation. It's being used primarily to treat major depression now, but it, it does have these three FDA indications. There's even an FDA indication for migraine headaches with a very specialized device. I hear like the word magnet in there. And and what I think of is, is sort of all those uh, hucksters at at the state fair selling you magnetic bracelets and magnet socks and magnet sheets. I'm assuming there's a lot of science behind this. You mentioned that it it has FDA approval. Can you talk about the differences between the, the magnets that people are buying at the airports and what TMS actually is? Yes, a TMS magnet will generate a magnetic field that's on the scale of a small MRI machine, which is about 30,000 times stronger than your refrigerator magnet. It's in a completely different league than what people strap on their wrists, treatments like that. And it delivers magnetic pulses. And these pulses are strong enough that when they reach your brain cells, they actually will make your brain cells fire. It actually stimulates the brain by making it fire. On one hand, it sounds simple. You're firing a magnet at somebody's brain and it causes the brain to do something. And I guess that's the question of how does it work, but can you make it simpler? It just sounds very science fiction-y to folks. It does sound very different than what we think of as typical psychiatric treatment. TMS got its start with observations that there are areas in the brain that are underactive. The guy who's the the father of TMS, Mark George, was researching brain imaging, and he knew that there was particular areas in the brain in depression that were underactive. And when he saw people using these high-powered electromagnets, he had this idea that maybe you could fire the brain cells in those areas and stimulate them. I compare it to exercising a muscle we're actually making this part of the brain fire more than it's firing on its own. And it's like exercising that part of the brain. And just like when you exercise a muscle, it responds to the fact that it's being used more and it grows. We know with TMS, when we deliver these stimulations, we get release of growth factors in the brain and 
you get cell growth and sprouting of new connections in this area and increased activity, and it gets it back to working the way it's supposed to be working in this mood center. So while it does sound very science fiction-y, there's very definite science behind it, and it's been researched for a lot of years. And Gabe, I'll just uh, add to what Dr. Hutton was saying, and, and also to your introductory comments about it seeming to be everywhere. It was first FDA cleared back in 2008. It's not really new, but I think that what has happened is that a combination of an unmet need, which is that antidepressants and psychotherapy or talk therapy are not helpful for many patients who suffer from depression. Also, insurance providing coverage for this treatment in psychiatrist offices like Dr. Hutton's office and my office and offices all over the country. And something like the internet where word of mouth can spread and patients can share their experience with it, make it, again, seem like it's everywhere. Also, because there have been so many published studies in peer-reviewed medical journals about its efficacy, that's led to the popularity of treatments like Neurostar TMS, which is the particular one that Dr. Hutton and I use in our practices. We've talked a little bit about the history of this treatment, but let's go back even further. What gave somebody the idea to try this? I, again, I know I've used the term, it's science fiction-y a couple of times, but this idea that you know, a doctor would be sitting there and thinking, hey, what I want to do is fire a magnet at somebody's cranium, and I think this is going to help. So I, I imagine there has to be something more to it than just this random idea of firing a magnet at somebody's skull. Do you want do you want to take that one, Todd? Or <laughs> it's a one. great one. You know, he's asking for the origin story. It's, yeah, it's like a Marvel comic question. So it goes back as far as 1985 when a British bioengineer scientist named Tony Barker had this idea to build a really big electromagnet and put it over nerves. Nerves are like wires. And when you run a magnetic pulse through a wire, you create a little electrical current inside that nerve. You can get that nerve to fire. And he just thought this was a neat idea, and he showed it to some people. And these neuroscientists in England got very excited about trying it. And they would put it over a nerve, and they'd make it fire. And then they had the idea, let's put it on someone's brain and make it fire. And they'd put it on a brain, and they could make certain parts of your body move, and they could test it out. And for 10 years, it was a research tool that they would use. They would just ping a part of the brain and see what happened. Then this American psychiatrist, Mark George, was working in London and saw them using this. And this is the guy who was the imaging specialist and knew that depression had underactive areas. And he had the idea, instead of giving one ping, what if we gave people hundreds or, or thousands? Could we actually stimulate these underactive areas of the brain and get them working again? And that was about in 95. And they spent the next 10 years figuring out the best way to do it and to optimize it. And it finally led to approval of the first TMS device from Neurostar in 2008, which they began marketing and selling and really hit the market in 2009. 
I think sometimes when we talk about new technologies, we we talk about them very basically. Uh, we're shooting magnets at your head. All right, well, that's got to be a scam. But when you actually look at the entire history of the treatment and the studies and, and on and on and on, it, it starts to make more sense. Now, one of the things that I'm thinking about when I hear about TMS is it, it sounds a lot like ECT. It sounds a lot like what a lot of people refer to as electroshock therapy. How does it differ? The similarity is it's not a medication here we're using to treat depression. It's a form of what we would call brain stimulation or this whole field of what we call interventional psychiatry now. But it's also very different in terms of the patient experience. A person undergoing ECT has to go under anesthesia It induces a seizure in the patient. Uh, We know that ECT doesn't work well if you don't have the seizure. And that leads to very commonly memory loss that people will experience, short-term memory loss, and and sometimes even long-term memory loss. If you're getting ECT, you really can't be working, going under anesthesia three days a week, whereas this treatment, many of our patients are still going to work when they get their treatments before or after work. With TMS, You don't need to be asleep. You don't need any anesthesia. You get the treatment while you're awake. And in fact, it has remarkably few side effects. I won't say zero, but for a depression treatment, it has remarkably few side effects. When you say remarkably few side effects, what are the common ones? What should patients look out for? The most common side effect is just a temporary mild to moderate pain or discomfort where the magnetic coil is actually touching the person's head. There's a tapping sensation that comes from those muscles of the scalp snapping back and forth. But generally, that is something that the patients really accommodate to after just a few treatments. The treatment can last anywhere from 17 to 30 minutes. And patients come in every day, five days a week, for four to six weeks. So it is a treatment that requires a bit of a commitment on the patient's side, but I've been providing TMS since 2013 and have found patients to be remarkably uh, willing and able to add this to their day for something as important as treating their depression. I would add that patients describe the sensation of the treatment as feeling like there's this woodpecker tapping on your head. In the beginning, I would describe the sensation as annoying, maybe uncomfortable, but there's a tremendous accommodation to it, and it gets to be very tolerable. And then that's pretty much it. There's a very small chance of having a seizure during a treatment on the order of one seizure per 50,000 treatments. And compared to side effects of antidepressant medication that people have to live with 24 hours a day, like dry mouth and sexual side effects and weight gain. We just don't have those with TMS. I I think that an important part of our patient's experience is they will go through their treatment six weeks or so of daily treatment. And for those patients who have a nice response, even remission from their depression, then we watch them and see following up on that, how long their benefit lasts for. And in general, TMS has a durable effect. And to Dr. Hutton's point, the patients can often be able to be monitored. And if at some point down the road, their depression were to come back, then they can come back and get additional 
courses of TMS to try to get that new episode under better control. I also should mention that I don't mean to imply that our patients who are getting TMS just come off of all of their medication or that TMS can't, for example, be given in combination with medication. But I think most of us experience that when patients respond to TMS, at a minimum, we often can get them down to just a basic maintenance medication that we can use to try to avoid side effects when multiple medications are given, which is often the case in these patients with treatment-resistant depression. And I agree with Dr. Pages on that. Most of our patients still do take medication. Depression is a tough, chronic, recurrent illness, and it takes a lot of tools. Medication is still often part of the treatment recipe here. I just want to clarify, it sounds like if you are stable on medication, but you you don't want to take the medication for any number of reasons, whether it's because of intolerable side effects, whether it's because taking medications daily is, well, frankly, just a pain, that TMS is a, a good alternative for that and could possibly remove the daily medications or at the very least lower it. Am I stating that correctly? I think that's a good point. In fact, this morning I saw a patient that exactly describes what you're talking about, Gabe. This was someone who was okay, let's say clinically in terms of the depression, but her medications were associated with the tremor that really had a negative impact on her day-to-day. And her doctors tried various alternative medications and it didn't work. So she started TMS and we lowered her medication. I wasn't able to get her completely off of it, but at a very low dose of medication, the tremor resolved and her depression was even better than really how she started. So it was a really nice outcome for the kind of person that you just described in your question. We'll be back in a minute after a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Secure, convenient, and affordable online counseling. All counselors are licensed, accredited professionals. Anything you share is confidential. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist whenever you feel it's needed. A month of online therapy often costs less than a single traditional face-to-face session. Go to BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central and experience seven days of free therapy to see if online counseling is right for you. BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central. And we're back with Drs. Todd Hutton and Dr. Kenneth P. Pages discussing transcranial magnetic stimulation. What is the success rate of TMS? Clinical trials that were originally done for the FDA approval showed that about 60% of patients who receive TMS improved significantly. And about 37% of the patients were free of depressive symptoms completely, which means they were in remission. Those are very impressive, especially when you're looking at patients who are treatment resistant as defined as having not responded or having had side effects to anywhere from one to three antidepressant medications. And there was a study that was done some years ago looking at the natural course of treatment in depression, and they found that after three medication treatment failures, the likelihood of a person receiving, achieving remission was only about 7%. I would like to point out that 
when we talk about depression, we sort of have two goalposts that we look at. We talk about remission, which means that you're getting completely better. And I call that like scoring a touchdown. And then we talk about response, which means you're improved, but you still have some depression. And response is defined as your depression scale came down by 50%. And that's kind of like getting a field goal. You'll take it, you're glad for the points, but you still wish you had a touchdown. And when you look at medication, the first medication you give to a patient, probably 30% of patients will get that remission touchdown. Probably another 40% will get that field goal. And another 30% have to punt. They don't get anything at all. And that's with depression in a untreated first-line patient. If you fail the first medication, the chance that the second one's going to work, the numbers go down. And every medication you try, the numbers get worse and worse and worse. If you failed three medication and you're trying your fourth, the chance that that fourth one is going to give you a touchdown is like 7%. That's when people often come for TMS. A lot of insurance companies will say, before you can get TMS, you have to fail four meds. In comparing the success rates of TMS with medication, it's important to note that the studies on, on TMS are always done with patients who have failed medications. And in those studies, we're getting these response and remission rates, these touchdowns and field goals at higher percentages than what you see with medication. And that's in these patients who have already failed medication and we, we define as treatment resistant. I think that it's exciting that there's a treatment out there for depression that has a, a good success rate. It has a, a limited side effects. Uh, it can remove medication entirely or lower medication because one of the things that I think that people forget when they're on a medication regimen for life is, well, something's going to happen potentially if you're on a medication for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And just because you're not having a side effect when you're 25 or 35 or 45 or 55 uh, doesn't mean that you won't have a side effect eventually. So it all sounds incredibly encouraging and, and it, it is research-based. And, you know, we say it sounds space age. We, I think we sometimes forget that that analogy comes up because uh, somebody said, Hey, we're going to go to space. And somebody said, Oh, <laughs> Oh, you're space age. Are you? We made fun of that person. And, you know, now we, <laughs> it's, we have a space station for Pete's sake. Just because something sounds a certain way doesn't make it a certain way. Although I, I still, I, I know that that you probably read the the same internet that I read. I am thankful that people are skeptical about some of the treatments that are offered because unfortunately, there are a lot of treatments for severe and persistent mental illness that involve things like you know CBD oil or essential oils or aromatherapy or yoga or my personal favorite, a long walk in the woods where you get introspective and just stop it. So I don't want people to stop being critical thinkers, but I, I do want them to know that this one seems to have been, you know, TMS has been put through its paces. Well, and just like, you know, space age came from before we actually sent people to space, when medications for depression and other psychiatric disorders were first introduced in the 1950s, there was a lot of disbelief, including from psychiatrists themselves, that you could take a medication and it would have this effect on your your mood or thinking or other types of symptoms. And now fast forward 60 years 
it's to a point, and I think psychiatrists, including me, we were trained in such a way to kind of throw a pill at everything. And one of the nice things about TMS and maybe why there's been some uptake and acceptance is it's a different approach. It doesn't automatically go to the next pill. And after 60 years, we found that medications do have limitations. They aren't panacea. And TMS has, you know, TMS doesn't work 100% of the time. But I think that it's nice for there to be an evolution. And and I'll tell you, patients are thrilled with the idea. They're a little scared at first, not too scared. Actually, not as scared as maybe I would think that they kind of should be, given that we're stimulating their brain. However, they are enthusiastic about coming to see a doctor that is not going to give them another pill. It's been great to see the field improve and progress. Like Dr. Page has said, we're trying to figure out why it doesn't work in some people and maybe they need something different or a different protocol. We're figuring out more and more how better to use this. And we've gotten better at using it in in the last 11 years since it's been out. Is this a one-shot deal? Is this something that you have to come in for every year? Do you need checkups? Or is this, I hate to use the word cure, but is this a cure for depression? It's a treatment, not a cure. Depression, particularly in the in the patients we end up treating, is often a recurrent or chronic kind of condition. And it, it doesn't mean that you're cured and you no longer need treatment anymore. We have learned, though, that after someone's had a successful course of TMS, we can add some booster treatments to help keep them better. And there's growing interest in what we call maintenance treatment, where A person comes in maybe twice a month and gets a treatment to stay well, to use it as a maintenance to keep the depression from coming back. And that's an area of research that's going on right now so that we can continue to keep these people well who've responded to the treatment. That is a great question. And every single patient asks that same question. It's what we want to know. I mean, thinking, forget about mental health for a moment, thinking about anything. I, I, I don't care whether I have a, a, a any physical health problem, a toothache. I mean, just whatever. I Okay, when you do this, do I never have to see you or think about this again? We all want to know that. We all love our doctors, but yeah, we never want to see you. You're, you're a sign that something <laughs> went wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's important to set that expectation properly that it is a treatment for depression and the length of time between those treatments will vary from person to person. The good news is that if you were someone who responded to TMS for your depression, then in the future, were you to develop symptoms of depression that worsened again, it's even more likely the next time around that your depression is going to respond because you already responded once to it. So that's the kind of explanation that I like to give to patients because I don't want them to think of it as a cure. It's a darn good treatment. And in some patients, it can last. I've had patients that come back after three years to get additional treatments, but I have some that come back in six months to get additional treatment. So it really varies quite a bit. But what I want the patients to know is that this is something that they can look to, as Todd was saying, in our toolkit as something that they can use ongoingly 
to address their depression whenever it comes up. Here's my last question for both of you. What would you tell patients who are considering TMS therapy? I would encourage them to talk to their doctor, not be afraid to mention that they saw on the internet when they were looking up treatments for depression, this treatment called transcranial magnetic stimulation. Do they know someone who offers that and really advocate again for yourself with your doctor? Because the doctor may know about TMS, but perhaps doesn't have much experience, especially if they don't offer it in their office. Or maybe they don't realize you're suffering as much as you are, and you need to let them know that you were hoping to make some change in in your treatment that would help alleviate your symptoms. I would also add that I think it's important that people take depression very seriously. Depression is super common. I call it the diabetes of psychiatry because it's sort of a thing that, you know, every psychiatrist has to deal with. If you don't treat it, suicide is an obvious negative outcome. But we also know when people have major depression, they have more heart attacks, more strokes. They're more likely to actually get diabetes. Depression takes away the quality of your life. There's treatments out there that are safe and that work. TMS is, is one that works very well in a high percentage of patients and is very safe, you owe it to yourself to to look into it. Dr. Hutton, Dr. Pages, thank you so very much. It's been an incredibly illuminating conversation, and I hope that people will continue learning about TMS to see if it's right for them. How can people find more information outside of this podcast? They can certainly use the internet to look up transcranial magnetic stimulation and find a provider in their area. And that provider's website is very likely to have some explanation about TMS and who it's used for, information about the providers themselves, what insurance they take, and things like that. And then if they look up Neurostar actually has a provider finding service on the internet. And of course, they also have information about the treatment itself. Another website I might add would be uh, the Clinical TMS Society, which is clinicaltmssociety.org, has some information uh, there as well. Wonderful. Thank you both so very much. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Wherever you downloaded this podcast, please subscribe. Also, take a moment to write us a review. It lets other people know why they should be listening as well. My name is Gabe Howard, and I am the author of Mental Illnesses and Asshole and Other Observations, which of course is available on Amazon.com. Or you can head over to my website, GabeHoward.com, and pick up a signed copy for less money. And as always, you can get one week of free, convenient, affordable, private online counseling anytime, anywhere, simply by visiting BetterHelp.com slash PsychCentral. We'll see everyone next week. You've been listening to the Psych Central Podcast. Want your audience to be wowed at your next event? Feature an appearance and live recording of the Psych Central podcast right from your stage. For more details or to book an event, please email us at show at psychcentral.com. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show or on your favorite podcast player. Psych Central is the Internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website run by mental health professionals. Overseen by Dr. John Grohall, Psych Central offers trusted resources and quizzes to help answer your questions about mental health. 
personality, psychotherapy, and more. Please visit us today at psychcentral.com. To learn more about our host, Gabe Howard, please visit his website at gabehoward.com. Thank you for listening, and please share with your friends, family, and followers.